If you're a guest this morning, my name is Dominic, and I'm so glad that you're here. I think I've got, I got to meet a couple guests on the way in, but if I didn't meet you, welcome. We're so thankful that you're here. Um, wherever you are in your journey with faith and with Jesus, we're, just, we're glad that you're here, and we hope you feel loved, welcomed, and encouraged uh, as you're with us this morning. Well, so when I was 22, I was actually a part of a, um, a missions team. I was in Asia, in one of the largest cities in the world. Uh, it was myself. Uh, two recent college grads as well that were 22 years old, uh, a team leader named Herman who was older and he was long-term in the country, and then a, a gal named Megan who as well was older but she was new. She arrived with us, uh, a new team. And so here I was, 22 years old, had been walking with Jesus for just a few years, yeah, had my college degree, had played athletics at different levels and was like a, a captain almost on every team had worked in different places and was, was leading in different things. And here I get to this country uh, with this team, again, five of us. And I remember we're in a team meeting. Uh, it was maybe like month two. And we were just talking about the hardships of, of living overseas. Like, what are the things we're missing? What are the things that are challenging? What are the struggles? And the two gals who uh, were also 22 years old who arrived with me, they were just talking about, again, we're talking about things we miss, the food, the different comforts, all that, the people. And for me, it was more of that. It was like, man, I kind of, I wish I could just get a hug from my mom, you know, like it'd be cool to talk to my brother, uh, just different things like that. And they were like, we just really miss Starbucks coffee. We really miss that we can't go to this and that. And um, like just kind of creature comforts, which is not wrong. But I was 22 years old and I was there to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> And so I kind of voiced that, and I was like, you guys, and it was like, an, it was like a 30-minute rant, an hour rant, literally, and I just was like, you guys, what are, we, what are we talking about here? Like, we all came here to share the love of Jesus with people, and you're telling me that, like, you're struggling just because you can't get your Starbucks? Like, is that really, look at, look at around us, look at the, the area we're living in, look at all this stuff, and that's what you're going to complain about is that you don't get your normal cup of coffee in the morning? And they kind of, it just like, it was almost, you know, it was like a big drop thud in the room, right? And all of a sudden, so then like our team leader's like, okay, so moving on to the next thing, right? <clears throat> and later, both Herman and Megan, who are the leaders, they, they came and found me in, in, in my dorm room. We'd lived in these dorm rooms. And they said, you know, like we just, we want to, we feel like we need to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay, what is it? You know, and they said, um, actually what you shared was actually like truth, like it was good. Like, I think we all need to be reminded, like, the reason we're here and all of those things. They're like, but the manner in which you shared it was very not gracious and very lacking in love. And we want to encourage you to work on that. <laughs> and so it was a very eye-opening moment for me. Um, not that I was unaware of that, but it was just like, whoa, okay. Um, and they, they were so kind in it, and they were, you know, they were kind of like, look, we, we, we see that God's giving you a voice. Like, we see that you're very grounded in truth. We see that you have leader capacity and all these things. We see all these things in you. But we feel like if God is going to use you, whether that's staying long-term at this team or whatever else you go into, like, there's some areas we want to encourage you to work on. And so that next year, actually, one of the greatest blessings and gifts in my life was that I had these leaders who spoke into my life. And I had actually this team that were my peers as well that spoke into my life and helped me think about what are my gifts, skills, and talents? What is God calling me to in order to become who he had created me really to be? I remember the two girls too that I had really offended that day. They just came and in their own words, they said it this way. They're like, I just remember so clear. They're like, Dominic, sometimes when you talk, it's like you're, you're, as, you're, like, like you're just really brash. And also you're like, you're like blunt. And it's, it's, like, it's like a brick being thrown through a window sometimes. 
And then they, they, do, they tune on to say, like, what you actually say is usually true and right, but sometimes it's hard to actually receive what you're saying because it lands so hard like that. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. I share all that to say this. We have been in a series called Gifted for More. And what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks is the fact that each one of us is gifted by God with different gifts, skills, talents, passions. Some of them are innate and natural that God has hardwired into us. Some of them we do get through training and schooling and various things like we just celebrated. But all of them are gifts from God. And each one of us is a gift from God, uniquely, beautifully created and made with unique skills and talents, unique grace that God has placed in our lives. And all of it, God has given us for his glory. It is for our benefit and our contribution to one another, and it's ultimately for his glory. And this morning, what we want to talk about is that God uses others in our lives to actually help us understand and grow in our gifts. See, one of the things that I greatly benefited from, again, that year on that team, was a team of people that came around me, and they spoke truth and love so that I could learn to speak truth and love, and they helped me better understand my gifts, my wiring, and my talents so that I could more fully fulfill who God had created me to be. So this morning, I want to journey with you through um, Acts chapter 9. I want to look at the story of Saul and the way that when he first became a follower of Jesus, there were people around him as well that helped him understand his gifts and even refine them and compel him and propel him to become who God had created him to be. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to Acts chapter 9. If not, it'll be up on the screen as we journey through. But again, this morning, we're talking about the way that God uses others in our lives to help us understand and use our gifts more fully. Uh, before we jump into the verses that we're going we're gonna to read together, I'm going to kind of just set the stage of the beginning of Acts chapter 9. Um, and even chapter 8. Chapter 8, we, we hear and we read about this man named Saul. Saul was a Pharisee. Uh, he was a Jew by birth, and he had worked his way up. He calls himself later a Pharisee of Pharisees. Um, he, he was like uh, very religious, very devout, very committed to what he believed and thought was the right way of living out faith in this world. And in chapter 9, we find that uh, he's breathing out, it says, murderous threats against the disciples of Jesus. He's actually gotten permission uh, from the high priest to go to this place called Damascus. And in Damascus, what he was going to do was to go into the synagogues and go into that town. And he was going to be looking for people who were followers of Jesus, followers of the way it was called. And he was actually going to take them, bind them up. He was going to carry them back to Jerusalem so that there in Jerusalem, like the religious epicenter of the day, they could be persecuted for being followers of Jesus. Everybody tracking with me there? And so as he's on his way to Damascus, though, what happens is that the Lord meets him. Jesus stops him there in his tracks, and he speaks to him and says, Saul, uh, everybody that you're persecuting out there, you think you're persecuting them technically, and actually you're persecuting me because they are my people. And so you're persecuting me, but actually I've called you to, to work with me, to work for me. And so God actually blinds his eyes. It says that he can, his eyes are open, but he can't see. And so he goes on to Damascus. He's there, and he's there for three days without sight. He didn't eat. He didn't drink anything. And this is where I want to pick up, okay? In verse, starting in verse 10, it says this. It says, so now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might be, regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, 
For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entering the house, and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may gain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. The key point from this passage, this section of this passage that we read and that I want us to take away as we're talking about again our gifts and talents and skills and being gifted for more is the fact that God uses other people again to help us discover our God-given gifts and our purpose. See, Saul was who he was even before he met Jesus because of the way that God created and wired him, right? I mean, he was zealous. He was passionate. He was a good communicator. He was a man seeking after faith. He was a leader. He was gifted in a lot of these things, but the way that he was applying them was for something that he thought was right, but was actually running against Christ and actually for the things that God created him for. And so we, we ha- he has this amazing conversion, and in the midst of that, God uses someone else actually to come and speak into him, to interact with him, to help him realize and understand not only the way he was gifted, but what the gifts were for, the purpose for which God had actually created those gifts. Ananias used his gifts and his faith, his listening to the Lord, his discernment, his availability to the Lord, his openness to the Lord, his obedience and faith and trust to actually go to be face-to-face with Saul and to speak to Saul about what had actually happened to him. God used someone else to bring clarity in helping Saul understand, again, his gifts, his skills, his talents, and his purpose. Ananias helped Saul understand and discover actually what God was calling him to, something which he was blinded to. God used Ananias to help Saul see more clearly who God had made him to be. In this way, Ananias got to partner with God in the work that God was doing in Saul's life. I want you to imagine being, in some regards, both Saul and Ananias in this situation, right? Imagine Saul. Your whole life, you've walked one way. Again, you're you're acting out of zeal. You're acting out of teaching, all the leadership, all these skills that he has, and he's doing it. And all of a sudden, one day, uh, what? (laughs) Who's speaking to me? What am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm not doing the right thing. And... I'm stuck here for three days, blind, in the dark, not knowing what I'm supposed to do. I'm still who I am, and yet there's something very pivotal happening here in my life, and I, I I don't have understanding of it. And then there's Ananias, who God speaks to him and says to him, I want you to go and not only be face to face with the man who's actually come to this town to kill you and all of your, your, your friends who follow Jesus, I want you to actually walk into that room I want you to lay your hands on him. I want you to bless him. I want you to speak into his life and speak encouragement and help him have clarity and understanding of who he is and why I've actually created and called him into existence. Can you imagine that? But think about it. For Ananias, that's a major step of faith. I guarantee you his life was never the same as he exercised his gifts, skills, and talents in obedience and surrender to the Lord to actually step out in faith and do something that God was inviting him to partner with him to do a work in someone else's life. Would you agree? And I guarantee you Saul's life is never the same. We actually know that because Ananias used his faith, again, to come and to step into his world and to speak lovingly and graciously and obediently and to use his gifts, exercise in faith, to help, again, Saul understand what was going on in his world and in his life. 
to call him out into existence to be who God actually called and created him to be. It's pretty powerful. See, in this whole journey of talking about giftings, one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping and I, I think has begun to happen as we're having this conversation is just each of us learning what does it mean for us to be more open to the Lord and more available to the Lord. Right? Going to that place of not only understanding that, yes, my life is a gift that God has given me, and yes, God has given me unique grace, skills, and talents, but they're not just for myself. They're for the sake of others. Yes, they benefit me, but they're ultimately to benefit the community and the world around me to bring flourishing and health and, and wholeness but also there for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of, of God being exalted in the world and made known. But I can't do that and I can't participate in that beautiful story unless I'm open and available and curious to what God is doing in my life and how he wants to use it to partner with what he's doing in others' lives. Ananias gives us a really beautiful example of, of that surrender, of that openness, of that understanding, and that faith and courage to partner with God doing a work in someone else's life. See, one of the things that we've been talking about throughout this series, and again, I think is, is projected here, uh, is that in our culture, we think so, so individualistically. And I think Ananias could have had that opportunity as well. He, though his culture was not an individualistic culture, excuse me, Ananias had the opportunity where he could have said, ah, no, Lord, like, I'm, I'm cool. Like, I'm, I'm just going to stay here. Again, I know who that guy is. I know why he's coming. You got something going on with him and that's okay with you. That's good. That's cool. Like, thanks. Like, I'm, I'm just going to stay here safe. He could have held on to safety. He could have held on to comfort. He could have held on to an individual, individualistic mentality that thought, you know what, God, again, what you're doing over there is what you're doing there. What you're doing with me here is me and I'm just going to stay. I, I appreciate what Sky Jathani said in this book that he wrote that's titled, What If Jesus Was Serious? He said this, and I think this applies as we continue to talk about giftings and this interaction, the way we're called to use them together. Sky Jathani said, individualism is a foundation of Western culture. In our minds, independence not only means freedom from oppression, but freedom from other people altogether. But this American value is not part of Jesus' teaching. We are forever connected to one another, and God intended it to be that way. See, I think because Ananias was actually a believer and a follower of Jesus and he was in community, I think he knew this and he understood this. I think uh, Saul, because of who he was as a Sadducee and the religious group that he ran with and even the fact that we're told he went to the high priest and got permission to go do kind of this mission and journey that he was doing, again, he understood this. They understood life in community. They understood calling in community. They understood living out life in these things. But God does something really radical and amazing here to actually bridge people from two different callings and communities and sets of way of life and culture and context and all of that and he bridges them together and if if and if again if Ananias had said nope I'm just going to do my individualistic thing and not be concerned about what God's doing in someone else's life there never would have been this beautiful bridge in this beautiful story I love how Sky Jathani says it he says we are forever connected to one another and God intended it to be that way I'm curious miss you like what connections in this room even is God intending to happen are there ways in which even in this room, like we know each other, we do a certain level of community, but even more intended to be connected because we, in obedience, begin to speak to one another in, in love and in compassion and in courage, if so, to call each other out into being more fully who God has created us to be. I wonder what, what neighborhood relationships would be transformed if, if God impressed on you something to go speak to a neighbor, to go bless them, to go pray for a neighbor, to, or in a workplace, the settings where we, where we live. And if in obedience, we would step and go do that again so we can help people see and know who God has truly created them to be. What, what, what connections has God already intended to be that we're not yet aware of? 
And I'm just curious, are, are, are we open to that? Are we curious about that? Are we available in obedience and in faith and in trust for God to use us in that way in one another's lives? I want to continue on in this story and see what happens next. Acts chapter 9, verses 20 to 27, it says this. It says, And so for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. That's Saul with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem for those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates by day and by night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and they let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to him how he on the road he saw the Lord, who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. It's interesting that we see that, that Saul goes right away into kind of, again, his, his known function. He begins to preach uh, boldly, it says. He begins to share about Jesus, who he has recently discovered is the true God, is the true Christ. And he goes into these places, and what he encounters is that um, there's actually opposition to him, <laughs> that his reputation has preceded him. And so his reputation has preceded him, both with the Jews, who he, who he is a part of, but now those Jews who he is no longer running with, they turn against him, and they plot to kill him. And so you can imagine, he, again, he arrives to kill others and to persecute others. He now is, is, is the one that, that is at risk of being killed. And what's needed and what's necessary is a group of people, again, that would come around him, that would support him, and that would actually help him sneak away in the night so that he's not killed. So he's there in Jerusalem, back at the place where he was going to take others to go be persecuted. He's there now with the disciples, and again, his reputation precedes him. He walks into the disciples, and the disciples are going, uh, like, is this a ploy? Is this undercover? Like, what is this? We're not down with this. And there's someone else who's living by faith, understanding their gifts, skills, talents, the calling on their life, and they, in a sense, intercede uh, and advocate for Saul. There's a man named Barnabas, we're told, that takes him and brings him in front of the, the disciples, in front of the apostles, and, and, in a sense, testifies for him. Says, no, like, yes, on the, on the, on the road here, on the road to Damascus, he had this amazing exchange with the Lord, and he's now one of us. See, I believe what God is showing us here is that God uses other people to help um, encourage us in our giftings and make pathways for us to actually use them. What we see again is if, if Paul did not have other people that came around him, or excuse me, I'm calling him Paul because that's who he becomes, Saul, and I'll probably do that a couple times today, Saul, if Saul did not have Barnabas, or if he didn't have Ananias first to come to him, and help him understand clarity of who he was, we wouldn't, he wouldn't become Paul. And if Saul didn't have Barnabas come alongside him in this moment as well, I think Paul's trajectory is, is cut off. His journey somewhere is truncated. Again, these are all interweaving stories. Different people, different skills, different talents, different abilities. Obedient to God, exercising faith and trust to come together and form and shape the life of this one man who you and, all, you and I all know ends up being one of the most, in a sense, gifted, skilled, talented people for the proclamation of the gospel think about it we're here today talking about him <laughs> because of this transformation but it wasn't just him alone doing this thing it was gifts skills and talents given to him 
empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and community coming around to, infer, to affirm, to encourage, and actually open doors and pathways for him to use his gifts, skills, and talents. He ends up planting numerous churches. He's written two-thirds of the New Testament. We see him go on and do the same thing for others. And again, we're seeing this bigger picture of the way none of us is created isolated. We're all created, yes, uniquely, but called to work together for the sake of the gospel, our own understanding, our own development, our own growth, and the transformation of this world. What, what Barnabas does here is amazing because he, he leverages his influence uses his skills, uses his resources, again, to make a way for Saul to use his gifts and to have a sense of, of greater understanding. I believe that God, again, Missy, was calling us to use our, our gifts to encourage, to protect, and even to propel the gifts of others. So you and I might not be in a scenario where, where we walk around and where we're going right now, like there's actually physical threats against us, like people trying to kill us, right? Is that true for anybody? It's not, right? But you and I daily walk under attack, sometimes of the lies in our own head, right? That tell us, you're, 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 that's not who you are. Ah, you think you're gifted in that? You're not really good at that. Or you may think you have this skill and experience and talent. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't use it. It's not that important. People aren't going to miss out on it. We have those inner lies that, in a sense, are trying to kill the person that God has created us to be, again, for our benefit and flourishing and for the sake of the world's flourishing. We also have sometimes, unfortunately, the words of others, who do come at us, not, again, not to physically kill us, but come at us in a way that, again, is trying to, in a sense, steal, kill, and destroy who God has created us to be. The words that would tear down the ways that God is, as, is trying to build up us and encourage, encourage us. And I think it's super important that, again, that we use our gifts, our talents, our voice, our resources, our access to love and to serve one another in that regard, to be voices of encouragement. Barnabas, who's it was a major encouragement I would propose to you here to Saul. Again, that if Barnabas doesn't come along, Saul doesn't continue forward because he doesn't have the welcoming, he doesn't have the belonging, he doesn't have the courage potentially to move forward in a, in a surrounding where nobody trusted him and people were literally physically trying to kill him. Who is God maybe put in your life that he's inviting you to use your skills, your talents, again, your resources to make access for them to move forward and flourish in who God has created them to be. I appreciate what um, N.T. Wright says uh, in his, it's a commentary on 1 Corinthians where again he's, he's talking about giftings. And he says this, he says, the point is that the gift is God's gift to the whole church through the individual who has received it. God naturally gives gifts to different people in such a way that the church will be bonded together in ways that God sees as appropriate. See, again, I think that what we see here is this picture where God was forming and doing something new. He was actually about to, to birth the church into a new, a new trajectory, into a new arena through, through Paul. But, Paul but, but the Lord used Barnabas and Ananias and the other disciples, again, to come around to do something that God saw appropriate. So again, the question is, we might not always see and understand all the things that God is doing, but are we... A, uh, willing to be available to what God is deeming as appropriate and to realize, again, the different gifts that we have, we're not to operate or exercise them in competition or in comparison, but in encouragement, in a way that complements one another and, again, uplifts and propels one another to be who God's called us to be. Let's finish on in this, this 
portion of the chapter of, of Acts chapter 9. Uh, verse 28 to 31, it says this. It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in, in, excuse me, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. See, what we see here is that the church, instead at the beginning of, of Acts chapter 9, the church was, was afraid because of who Saul was and what he came to do. At the end, we see a radically different picture, that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, they had peace and they were being built up. They were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So you think God used Ananias, God used Barnabas, God used other disciples, God used a community of people to be surrounded by, to, to surround Saul, again, to encourage him, and actually to help keep him focused and able to fulfill his mission. See, that, that's, that's what God does, is that when we are open and available to allow other people to speak into our lives, when we are open and available to and curious to what God is doing and how he might use our voice, our resources, our skills, our talents to encourage others, what happens is that God, God grows our gifts together. See, in a lot of ways, we'd look here and we'd go, yeah, this is like a Saul thing. This is a Paul thing. I love the behind the scenes of this story because we see that it's not. And Paul would be the first one to tell you that later as he writes all this. He's constantly writing and talking about the body of Christ. He's constantly the one that is calling us to unity together, to exercising our gifts together. And I think Paul got his theology of that and his understanding of everything that he wrote in these letters from this experience of his very first days in his, in his um, conversion of, of knowing Jesus. That this experience of realizing and going, no, no, Saul, this isn't just you, single, solitary, your gifts, skills, talents, who you are, but it's you functioning in them in the way that I've intended with a body of believers, with other people, that's far more powerful. That's far more potent. That's far more attractive to the world, and it's going to have far more gospel influence. You're a man of zeal, Saul. <laughs> you're a man that wants to go take anything by storm that, that you feel you're called to. Well, now you're called to do it within the grace and the truth and the love and compassion of a community that I've called you into. And again, we sit here blessed as benefactors knowing that the transformation from Saul to Paul, what God did in his life, because of God's unique gifting and grace, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and people that came around him together in community to speak truth and love, to speak grace, to speak compassion, and again, to open doors. So you may say, we've talked a number of times throughout this journey that I believe that our, our impact as a community, again, is not just based upon myself, based upon our staff, based upon people and leader, leadership, but it, it's all of us coming together. It's all of us believing and understanding, yes, you are uniquely and beautifully created by God. Unique gifts, skills, and talents that the Lord wants to use for your good and for, for the benefit of, of the kingdom and, and flourishing. And I think one of the next steps for us is, is this. It's, it's growing in that, that collaborative work. It's growing in that partnership. It's growing in being people who encourage one another, who speak truth and love, who are helping to platform one another in different ways and to walking that out together. One of the things that I think that I also believe and understand from my own journey and I look here is that actually when God gives us a gift, God doesn't give us gifts in uh, their mature form, Right? What God gives us actually is, is, is a seed of something or God gives us the beginning of something. And never throughout scripture do we see that that seed or that thing is grown in isolation. But it happens as we begin to exercise in faith, in community, allowing others to speak into our lives, speaking into one another's lives, but exercising it together in a way that it actually begins to grow 
that it actually begins to develop. It actually begins to flourish as it's played out within community. And so God actually calls us, each of us, I believe, to, to this process. And as you look out at this room, we're at different stages because of different stages of age, of life, of experience, of all of that. But I would hope, and my, my, my desire and what I've been praying for this week is saying, Lord, like, would you speak to each of us? Show us where we are, in a sense, in our development journey. And would you use us as a community, again, to sharpen one another, to encourage one another, to help each other d- develop? Yes, it's a work of the Spirit, but it also means we apply the obedience of, of living in community together and helping one another develop and sharpen and grow. Because without that, again, I propose you, Saul doesn't become Paul. And Paul's ministry doesn't happen being what it is without the development within community by faith. Amen? I want to leave us with this. Uh, Paul would go on. Saul gets a new name. He becomes Paul. And Paul would go on in Ephesians chapter 2. And this is one of the chapters that we actually open this whole series with uh, to talk about the uniqueness of, and the power of God's grace in our lives. And I, I want to read this together be, before, we, before we take communion. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, and he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Pause for a second. I think Paul might actually have been writing that from his own life, right? That, That was his journey. And he says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, and what I propose to you again is that I think Paul's sitting there writing this, even thinking about his own journey, believing and understanding that, that now, at, at this, how many years later, he's writing this that he understood that he was created uniquely by God. He had gifts, skills, talents, passions, all of these things. And God, in his grace, God in his sovereignty, had actually placed them in him for good works, which he, which he prepared in advance for him to do. He didn't walk in them at one point, but after the grace of God and the development within community, the encouragement of others, the working out of, of God and his story together with others, he came to this place of writing and understanding that each of us is exactly that. Each of us, that's, that's part of our journey. God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And again, I read that and I wonder and go, Lord, like, what are the good works that you have for us? What are the good works that, that you have for my brother Eric? That I actually get to be a participant as I encourage Eric and his gifts, as I help live in community with Eric and, and sharpen and hear those gifts. What are the, what are the gifts that, that God's created and placed in Lisa? And, and what are the good works that he's created for her to do? And how are we as a community going to encourage her to live out? And I, can, you know what I mean? 
name by name by name. I think even my own journey and my story and go, Lord, what are the, what are the things that are, you have ahead for me? I, I firmly believe I can't do them. I can't live those out unless you guys as a community continue to, to sharpen me as you continue to speak into my life and call me to courage, call me to faith, call me to humility. Kelly and I are looking at each other we're about to cry together. Like, what are the ways, brother, right, that God has called us to partner for the sake of our, our growth and for kingdom impact in this world? So, Missy, I, I love you this morning, um, and we're going to take communion together.